0: Ah, good morning. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your good uh, Word and Your presence. Father, that we can come together in Your name. Lord, I just pray that uh, uh, Your anointing would be here. Lord, that I could communicate what, what You put on my heart in a way that that, that uh, represents You accurately, represents Your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Alright, I think we can turn that down a little bit. Yeah, Last week I was up in Alpina. Uh, we have a church uh, in our organization up there. They invited me up there and uh, did a men's retreat and then preached on uh, Sunday morning. And it was, it was a lot of fun, but I just have to let you know that I, I like you guys better. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's just great to be back. and It's, 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 a, it's an encouragement <clears throat> to uh, go to other churches, but it's always a blessing to come back and, and be with uh, you know your own your own peeps, you know your own people, and um, just the the fact that we're doing life together. That's that's really what church is about. Uh, we come together on Sunday morning to sing worship songs. Turn down a little bit, will you, Jim? Uh, uh, we we come together to to learn of God's word, but ultimately church is about building relationships with one another and doing life together. And it's, it's when we're here for one another, uh, uh, over the long haul, that's, that's, that's where the value really, uh, comes, uh, into play in, into our lives. And I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for the church. If it wasn't for you as individuals and, and us as a team. And the church wouldn't be here without Scripture. Uh, the Bible gives us a definition and, and a clear picture of what the Kingdom of God and what the people of God are to look like and what uh, what we're supposed to be doing. <clears throat> you know, uh, God did not leave us without instructions, without uh, guidelines, without help. Uh, and the Bible is the primary means by which God communicates His will to the church and to us as individuals. And so what we've been doing over the course of the last uh, uh, few weeks is an overview, a uh, uh, a big picture look at the Old Testament and now a big picture look at the New Testament. And so it's a little different than than most of the teachings that we have here which focus in on a particular topic. We just want to give a broad overview. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 and 17 is a very important scripture in the New Testament talking about the Bible itself. It says uh, and Paul wrote this to Timothy. He says, "...all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work." And so this, this is an underlying principle or belief that we have is that all of Scripture is given to us uh, to teach us, to instruct us, to correct us, to equip us, and that we can be thoroughly equipped, we can be complete. We can not lack anything as, that we need to get done. What God has called us to do, as long as we have this Scripture, all right, this book, and this, under, and this, in the, the Word. But if we lack understanding of this Scripture, or if we don't apply this Scripture, And it doesn't matter how many copies of the Bible you have. Alright? If you don't understand it, if you don't put it into practice in your life. So it's vital... That As believers, we have a good understanding of the whole of Scripture, and that's why we're doing this overview. And as we understand the big picture, it'll enable us to understand the individual parts, the individual stories in Scripture, even the individual chapters, even down to the individual verses. And unfortunately, what is common in our day is that believers will have a verse or two, or ten or twenty maybe, Uh, They pick out favorite verses and there's nothing wrong with that, but you can't survive on that alone. It's kind of like, you know, you like ice cream sandwiches, but you can't, you know, that's not a wholesome diet. (laughs) All right. You know, you may like this or like that, or or you may even find something particular nutritious. But to have a well-balanced diet, you need to need to eat, uh, you know, all of the food groups or whatever. Um, and knowing the whole of Scripture, it's all of Scripture is given for correction and instruction and, and reproof. And so we need to understand all of Scripture, and that's the goal. Um, Graham did an excellent job over, uh, giving the overview of the Old Testament and the New Testament. We started a couple of weeks ago with the Gospels, which is the stories, uh, the story of Jesus' life from four different perspectives. Today we're going to look at the book of Acts and Paul's epistles. Um, and Acts is uh, simply the story of the beginning of the church and the spread of the gospel and paul 's epistles are letters written by Paul to various churches and individuals and Again, because we 're covering whole books uh, we 're not going to go very deep into any of these, but kind of just kind of give a teaching on on the overview and so how many know where, where Acts is in the Bible? <clears throat> Do you have your Bibles? Does anyone have a Bible? All right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Turn to Acts. This would have been a great uh, uh, sermon to have uh, PowerPoints and maps and everything, but I neither had the time, and then my computer just died on me. So uh, <clears throat> pray for my computer. Actually, I think it's time for a new one. So, <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll just have some of the uh, Scriptures up there. Uh, Acts is an incredible book. If you've never read it, uh uh cover to cover uh, in in a whole you really should it is a compelling story you know if the gospels when i talked a couple of weeks ago is the gospels really are like the new testament equivalent of the of the torah or the, or the pentateuch The first five books of the Bible because all of the New Testament looks back to the Gospels and Jesus' teaching is the foundation upon which the rest of the New Testament is built just as the first five books of the Bible is the foundation on which the Old Testament is built. Well, Acts, if if that's the comparison, Acts would be compared to the history books in the Old Testament like Kings and Chronicles where you hear the unfolding of the story of the people of God. In the New Testament you hear the unfolding or we read the story of how the church went from those eleven apostles after Jesus rose from the dead and became um, an organization or a living body of believers that really uh, by the end of Acts uh, covered most of the of the civilized world. (coughs) There's a large portion of it, the Roman Empire and, and Palestine and even down into Egypt at that time. So the New Testament continues the story of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a story of God's interaction with His people up until the coming of the Messiah, which was promised, all the way from the book of Genesis. And then the New Testament continues that same story with God's people now living in... The truth that was revealed through Messiah, right? Jesus Christ. It's one story continuing on. Unfortunately, I kind of have to emphasize that because there's some uh, teachers have in the past, uh, and a lot of people think of it as two separate stories, or that God got fed up with Israel and decided to change His mind and come up with another plan. But there's not two plans. There's been one plan. There's one purpose in God. And it's the continuation of that purpose. All of the promises of God are fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And we are living in that same covenant that was fulfilled by Jesus Christ. And so it flows together, not separately. Well, here's some facts about the book of Acts. Facts about Acts. All right. (laughs) It was written by Luke, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. Imagine that. And um, it says in Acts chapter one, verse one, it says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. And so, in this introduction, we actually learn a lot. We we learn that it is the same person who wrote the the, the Gospel of Luke. It's addressed to a particular individual, uh, Theophilus, and it was Luke's attempt to put down in a in a, a clear, orderly way all of the things that happened that were pertinent to the story. And so he'd already covered the story of Jesus' life, and now he's continuing this with the story of the Acts of the Apostles. It's an accurate history of the early church. And in fact, there's been so much archaeological and historical studies done Because this isn't that long ago. It's a couple thousand years. It seems like a long time. But archaeologically, they can find uh, uh, just incredible amounts of of actual locations. Um, I did a study a few years ago where I I dug up photographs of uh, specific uh, uh, sites uh, where Paul preached and temples that he talks about. And you can find photographs on the Internet of of all these different places that he had been and, and different references to things that we find in the book of Acts. And so it's considered a a very, very reliable historical text. And and that's because Luke was very detail-oriented and wrote it for that purpose. It's also a theological book. In other words, uh, uh, it gives us a lot of theological instruction. It was written to record the events as they unfolded, but from that record, we can learn a lot of uh, answers to questions about how God works in the New Covenant, how God interacts with His people, it gives us living examples of the work of the Holy Spirit. Alright? And, uh, and again, you know, the Bible in only a few places will, will give us like instructions or, or just explain something. Almost everywhere throughout Scripture, God communicates through the lives of people. All right, And so the record of the lives of people's encounters with God, and as they live out their faith in God, as, they, as the new church begins and sorts out how it's going to be organized, how it's going to structure, how they're going to relate to one another, that is theological instruction. All right? That is how God communicates. All right, um, because God interacts with people it's the, uh, God uh, through acts we, we see these relationships within the church and between churches, and how it, how the uh, the implications of the the message of grace and the gospel of of Jesus Christ is worked out in the lives of real people, and the challenges that they encounter i mean martyrdom and and being stoned and, and shipwrecked, all these different stories are people living the Gospel as an example of how we should live the Gospel. And so when you read the book of Acts, read it not only as a history book, but as a theology book. A book that shows us how God interacts with people and how people that are following God wholeheartedly, how their lives should look and how the church should look. You know, the book of Acts also builds a strong case for Christ's... um, uh, He claimed to be Messiah... And then He was crucified dead, and then He rose from the dead. And the very existence, the very fact that the church uh, is launched and we see the development of the church through those early years is incredible a verification that Jesus' claims were true. Right? And so when you think of it, here people are living just... Uh, weeks and months and a few short years after Jesus lived, I mean, the people that saw Him hanging on the cross were then hearing um, them uh, preach about how His resurrection is proof of these Old Testament prophecies. And, and the fact that, that it worked in that setting tells us a lot. All right? It wasn't a myth. It's not made up. These are real stories. So it builds a real strong case for the message of the Gospel. Um, <clears throat> And it's, uh, it, it, it's the working out of people living in covenant relationship uh, with uh, the Lord God through uh, faith in Jesus Christ, just as the Old Testament is the working out of people living in covenant relationship through God uh, according to the promise of the Messiah. And that's how it's the same. It's the same people. It's the people of God who live by faith. Alright, the book of Acts begins <coughs> with uh, right after or um, right, right after, uh, right as Jesus ascends, and the last, the beginning of the book is is Jesus's final instructions, and then he ascends up into heaven, and the disciples go and and go out into the upper room, and they're waiting. And if you haven't read the story, you really need to. I can't go through the whole book, uh, verse by verse, but it, it really is the uh, story of the establishment and the growth, the expansion of the church. Chapters One through twelve cover about fourteen years. all right Chapters one through twelve cover a span of about fourteen years. This actually really surprised me when I first read this or first learned of this years ago because when you read the Bible often um we don't we we lose track of the fact that it compresses time, <laughs> all right? And so we'll have a story and then we'll have another story and it doesn't say in five years later, <laughs> right? It's just this happens and then this happens and so we think things are happening, boom, 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 boom. But really, uh, Acts uh, spans many decades. and the chapter 1 through 12, uh, uh, the first First half of the book spans about 14 years. And, um, it highlights especially the expansion of the church, but also the influence of the Holy Spirit. And if you read through the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is mentioned a number of times. He's, he's at work in many places. But here in the book of Acts, he becomes a central, uh, uh, player, if you will. Um, He is active in the lives of individuals and he fills people individually and and we see the manifestations of the Holy Spirit working. And and so this is where we learn that the church, as it is depicted in the book of Acts, is filled with the Holy Spirit and the works of the Holy Spirit. And wherever they go, uh, the Holy Spirit is talked about. The uh, signs of the Holy Spirit are revealed. And so we learn from that that the Holy Spirit is really critical uh, and, and an important aspect of church life it 's not not the, the the person of the Trinity that is ignored in fact in the in the church age that we are in right now, um, the Holy Spirit is most active. Peter is the focal point of the, of the first 12, twelve chapters, the first half of the book of Acts. He, uh we see him preaching at Pentecost when the uh, apostles get filled with the Holy Spirit and the a rushing wind and the fire comes in and Peter goes out on the balcony and begins to preach the first Christian sermon and thousands of people um, get saved. We see uh, Peter later uh, walking and healing people as he approached the temple. Um, There was a a lame beggar and and, and people are healed to the ministry of of Peter. He also receives further on Into the story, after several years, he receives the commission. If you remember, he was up on the rooftop and he had a vision of a a sheet coming down with many uh, animals, unclean animals. And and God told him to eat of this meat. And of course, in the old covenant, they were not allowed to eat unclean animals. But um, um, God repeatedly says, no, what I've made clean, don't call unclean. And then and it shows up on the doorstep as a Gentile who wants to hear the Gospel. And Peter gets the revelation that, hey, this is not just a um, message for the Jews, but it's, it's really intended to go worldwide. Of course, that's what Jesus said when He said, be My witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so Peter gets that uh, revelation. And then the early part of Acts is actually the record... Of Peter, as well as other people, going out on a really uh, evangelistic tours, if you will. Uh, Philip goes and preaches in the, uh, various places. Peter goes out and preaches in a number of places. But in the middle of this, <coughs> Paul, who is uh, I'll talk about in just a second, gets converted during this first half. But he's not a central figure. Peter is really the lead person in the first half of the book of Acts, up until uh, chapter 12. And at the end of chapter 12, is, or right in that section right in the middle, Paul gets converted, and then there's uh, great persecution in Jerusalem, and a lot of the uh, uh, Christians have to leave, and the church kind of moves up to Antioch. And Antioch is a city north of Jerusalem, and the church is founded in Antioch, which later becomes really the central church, the hub of Christian activity uh, in, from then on for quite a while. And the church in Jerusalem, because of the persecution, diminishes in influence. We don't hear much about Peter anymore. We don't hear much about the church in Jerusalem because the center of activity now moves up to Antioch and Paul's ministry. Paul's ministry is the focus of the second half of the book of Acts, chapters 13 through 28, And it covers years 46 through 60. And so the book of Acts in total covers about 30 years. Alright? Again, when we read it, you think it covers maybe a few weeks. And all this stuff is happening so rapidly. Actually, what happened is there would be an intense uh, amount of activity and then they would kind of figure out how to work with that. And then there would be another thing that would happen. And that that would have... uh, Um, uh, consequences and so it's a story of the progression of the church as it grows and expands over uh, the region all right let's see here and it's still expanding i mean we're still living in this story um paul really is the primary character of the new testament apart from jesus christ half of acts Is a story that focuses mainly on his adventures, and he writes 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament. So the Apostle Paul is a central figure of the New Testament. I'm going to uh, share just a portion from the book of Acts, chapter 26, verse 5 through 18 where Paul himself in his own words is explaining his conversion. Now this hap- the reason the the context of him explaining this is that he was arrested and is brought before a king um to uh to explain uh his side of the story. He's giving his testimony. And the Jews had arrested him for causing a disruption and accused him of practicing heresy and uh uh wanted him to be killed. So he's giving his defense and he kind of explains where he's coming from. But this kind of gives us a picture of Paul's message and what he saw his life, the purpose of his life. So let me just read this. Acts chapter 26, verse 5 through 18. They knew me from the first, they being the Jews, the Jewish leaders, the leaders of the Jewish religion. Um, They knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify, that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. So Paul grew up and was trained as a Pharisee. He says, and now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. In other words, he claims he's being judged for the very promise that was made in the Old Covenant the very promise that the Pharisees believed in, he's saying, now I'm being judged because that promise has been fulfilled. Verse 7, To this promise are twelve tribes earnestly serving God night and day hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. In other words, he's tying in the story of the Old Testament to the New Testament. Why should, I, why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead. Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus Christ. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O King, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And so I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you, "...to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in Me." And that that verse right there, "...to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God." that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in Me. Really is the theme of Paul's life. It's it's the theme of the New Testament. It's how God takes this, and He did it in Paul's life, and He's still doing it today. Right? I mean, this is our message. It's your message. It should be the theme of your life it's the theme of the new testament it's the theme of what the holy spirit is doing in our day today and that's what uh uh paul committed his life to is to preach that message wherever he went and and so the rest of acts is broken into three separate sections there's three uh ministry trips or evangelistic uh, missionary journeys where he takes a teams of people and travels throughout uh Uh, Asia Minor, and eventually up into Europe. And so the the Acts is just a record of them going from city to city and what happened in each city. And wherever they would go, he'd preach the gospel and people would get saved and they'd start a church. And Once the church got uh, set, they would move on. And sometimes they only stayed a few weeks or months and sometimes they stayed years in a particular city growing in the church and is following the leading of the Holy Spirit and they'd return to the church in Antioch and give a report, and then they'd stay for a while and then be sent out on another trip. And so it's merely the stories of Paul fulfilling the Great Commission as they traveled to the distant lands. The book concludes with Paul's arrest in Jerusalem And then, um, because of that uh, event, he he was falsely accused and arrested for violating one of the Jewish uh, laws. And through a series of events, he appealed to Caesar, and so he was taken under guard to Rome. And that he's actually the last few chapters of Acts. He's traveling back uh, to Rome in order to appear before Caesar to argue his case um, uh, before uh, the emperor. So the book ends abruptly, uh, Acts 28, verse 30, 31. It says, Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. And that's then it an ends. Right? And so we never actually hear of how his trial uh, before emperor went. He, had, he was on a waiting list, if you will. He had favor with those who were guarding him, and so they allowed him to stay basically under house arrest uh, while he awaited his trial uh, in Rome. But during that time, he was able to minister and see people. who was in his own house. And most scholars believe that Luke intended to write a sequel, a follow-up, to uh, tell the rest of the story, but uh, never did for whatever reason. We don't know. Uh, and again, most scholars believe that that was intentional by God because the story of Acts doesn't have an ending yet. We're living it. Right? There isn't a conclusion to that story because we're still living in the Acts of the Apostles. Nothing has changed. Uh, this age will continue until Christ returns. And when that happens, everyone will know it. Alright? And so we're living in the Acts of the Apostles. You and I are characters in, you're a character. Do you know that? <laughs> Some of you know that better than others. All right. Well, you're a character. And listen, your deeds are being recorded. My deeds are being recorded. They are. They're being recorded by in heaven. And and how you play your part will read like this this story. And if you notice, <clears throat> Acts is not like a history book that just covers everything that happens. It's intentional. It has a particular purpose. All right? and so it focuses in on what is important to communicate what God intends to communicate, and which is a story of the growth of the church, how the church should function, and how that, that the fulfillment of the great commission that Jesus gave before he ascended was put into, into, was begun and was to continue. And so it focuses on that. And so, in the same way, in our lives, you know, what are you doing that lines up with that Great Commission? How are you fulfilling your call to be part of this great story? The story of, of mankind. And we all have our own uh, little realm. Some of us are called to travel to distant lands. Others are not. Some of you may never go outside of Kalamazoo County. But your influence can be incredible. All right? If, whatever you're called to, you're judged not based on what you do, but you're judged based on if you do what you're called to do. Does that make sense? And so if one person is called to be like Billy Graham and evangelize to millions, and he does that well, then he does it well. If one per, another person is called to work uh, 9 to 5 in a, in, a, in a regular job and attend church and witness to his co-workers, if he does that well, he's equal status. Before God. Because they, they're they functioning in their calling. But we each need to see that we're part of this story. And, and Acts is great because we see the Gospel, we see the principles of God being played out in the lives of real people. Alright? And, and, and we're real people, aren't we? And so we can see ourselves in that. Alright, quickly to jump through um, <clears throat> Paul's epistles. It really ties in because... Paul is the central character of the second half of the book of Acts. And while he's traveling to all these different cities, he plants churches. He starts churches. And then later, uh, he writes letters to these churches to give them instructions. And so all of Paul's letters are either letters to churches he visited or planted, or uh, particularly the book of Romans is a church he had yet to visit. He hadn't been there yet. And so he wrote a letter... Uh, instructing them uh, um, um, before his arrival and, and communicating with them, or letters to individuals. Like um, I'm just read the, the books that are written by Paul: are Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second uh, Timothy, Titus, uh, Philemon. And then uh, there's debate as to who wrote Hebrews. Some think it was Paul. Some think it's somebody else. And, I'll tell you my opinion if you ask me later. (laughs) It's very Uh, Paul-esque. Paul's uh, letters are simply uh, instructions written to the churches or individuals. Um, Let's see here. The the letters written to individuals are pastoral epistles uh, because they were written to pastors. And so Timothy and Titus were pastors of churches. And so you get a, a real inside look at what is important in leading a church. Uh, and, and, and the issues that, that Paul focuses on and tells these uh, young men that he's um, uh, mentoring how to be good pastors. And it gives us a picture of what church is supposed to look like and, and what it means to be in Christian leadership. Uh, the order of Paul's books are, are very easy. It's the longest the shortest. Um, although Romans start out <coughs> Uh, Romans is uh, the longest of of Paul's books and it's really the the most thorough explanation of Christian doctrine. He goes through in depth explaining to the Romans how uh, uh, what it looks like to be a Christian and kind of goes into depth really how Christianity intertwines and connects with the law and how the jewish people and the gentile people have now become uh one in christ and so it goes into depth explaining how that how that is accomplished and then what it means to live as a christian and the the church in rome was comprised of Jewish believers as well as Gentile believers. And so, it's, it's a real good book that gives you a mix. It's written to both people with a Jewish background as well as a Gentile background. Uh, 1st and 2nd Corinthians is a little different because it's written to a church that Paul had a lot of experience with. And it's one of the best books, uh, those two books, uh, to, to get a, almost like a microscope look into the life of a local congregation. And he deals with a lot of real down-to-earth issues. Like, how do you deal with someone committing adultery in church? (laughs) You know, it just... Blaze it out there! And how do you deal with people that are uh, are not uh, uh, that say they're Christians but not living as Christians? How do you deal with different? You know, how do you deal with people talking in tongues and prophesying? It just goes through all the list of issues of how to deal with different cir- circumstances that arise in the lives of Christians. And and um, it's possible a portion or most of First and Second Corinthians was actually the response Paul wrote to questions that the Corinthians had sent him. And so we can see uh, uh, almost an inside look at how churches in the uh, first century were to operate. The other books written by Paul, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, are all shorter letters written to particular uh, churches that clarify or instruct on particular beliefs. Each one really has a particular emphasis based on the church that he was writing to. And if you get a good study Bible, listen, you need to read the introduction because it will tell you the context, uh, the difference between why Ephesians is different from Philippians. And you read and you find out why the cities are different and the issues that they were dealing with are different. And then when you read the book, you'll understand uh, why he's emphasizing one thing in Philippians, for example, and something totally different in Galatians or Ephesians. And then the pastoral epistles, you see a more personal side of Paul because he's writing to an individual. He calls Timothy his son, you know, and, and he talks about his uh, Timothy's uh, mom and grandmother. <clears throat> and again, we see that there is a, a very personal involvement, and this is uh, this is a theological truth. Okay, this is not secondary to the gospel. This is not secondary to the kingdom or the message of the Bible. That Paul knows Timothy and he knows his mom and his grandmother. It tells us that God interacts, that the church is supposed to be relational, and we build relations that go over generations. All right? And how important that is, that that's laid out in Scripture. And so it reinforces that God is an incarnational God. God is not a God that just dictates rules from afar off, but He's a God that. Uh, that interacts into the deepest, most uh, intimate parts of our lives and our relationships with one another. Alright? So, uh, Paul's epistles are really the best source of understanding what Christianity uh, looks like, uh, what we believe, because we see it worked out in the daily issues. But we also see the bigger theological issues being worked out Things like atonement and uh, redemption and uh, issues of the end time and and Jesus you know when Jesus returns uh, we get uh, tidbits uh, hints as to what uh, that involves all intertwined in the context of living out real life in in real uh, situations and so that's why um, the New Testament is is so valuable. <clears throat> Listen, I just want to conclude with. There's, there, I just exhort you to get to know your Bible, all right? It is truly our source of authority, and in this day there's a there's a tremendous amount of of uh, uh, influence to pull away the authority of Scripture in the life of believers and begin to question. Uh, whether the Bible you know, means what it, really, what it says or, and, 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 and pull out from under us uh, what is the foundation. But the better you know this book, the firmer you'll stand. And, and, and you, you can resist temptation, but you can also resist the doubts that come uh, simply by getting a better grasp of this book. Alright, there's some announcement.